go into a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city. It lies four square. The gates are made of jasper and I'll see Hello, everybody. God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast. And we also have our website, propheticnews.com. We have our YouTube channel under my name, Susan Puzio. And we also have Greedy Preachers TV. And we have our books. Paula White, President Trump's pastor. It's a biography. It's an expose. And of course, all our facts are documented because we, we believe it's very important that when you report things, you have documentation to back things up because you can't just report on rumors. Uh, that's a good way to get sued. So I always try to back everything up, especially when we're talking about these TV preachers who seem, most, for the most part, most of them are con artists. And of course, we talk about people here and we usually play their audios and we have facts, evidence that back up what we're saying. And we don't want anyone to ever lash out to these people in any way. We're not supposed to ever do anything to physically harm other people. Sometimes people get very angry at the things that these TV preachers do, but we're never to lash out and uh, make false accusations. So that's something we have to be very careful with, especially, I think, with the assassination of the former Japanese prime minister, which was very, very shocking. And there's people out there that are very unhinged and they want to do, pe- uh, do things to hurt people. And so as Christians, we can never lash out and try to uh, hurt people deliberately. The scriptures do say that we are to warn people and to recognize wolves out there, recognize wolves in sheep's clothing so that the flock can be protected. We don't know everything. Not, not, not any of us has all knowledge and uh, we're all-knowing. We're not. We're d- God has all knowledge, and he's all-knowing. So sometimes people look things up on the Internet, uh, just like, for instance, with me. There's other people out there with my name, and my name's not common, really, but <laughs> there's other people out there that have my name, and they even have my middle name, which is even stranger still. But... Those people aren't me. Uh, so people 
do searches on the internet and they find they, they could find things about people, but it's not necessarily the uh, the person that you think it is. So we have to be careful about making accusations and doing things that can hurt people, especially there are people in the ministry because there are there are some terrific people in the ministry that have devoted their lives to serving other people, and they don't beg, borrow, and steal. They just do their work and seek first the kingdom of God, and the Lord provides. Truly, the Lord does provide. It's, it's hard to understand why people would want to compromise the gospel for fame and fortune, and they lose out on so much because usually in the end, just like Oral Roberts, in the end, I have to think he was a broken man. He lost his university, and uh, they had all kinds of problems. Even though he he probably raised he probably raised over a billion dollars during his lifetime, maybe even more than that, through his seed faith tactics and through his dishonesty with the body of Christ teaching faith and teaching dependence on God, but yet he didn't really practice those things. So he let he left his legacy behind, and Richard has not been doing a very good job of presenting a Christ-like lifestyle and a Christ-like ministry. It's a, it's a very sad state of affairs. It really, really is. But we're living in some very, very troubling times. And people are desperate. There's tremendous financial pressures on families when when you think about the price of food almost doubling. And that's probably your biggest expense as a family is food. And then the price of gas, the ongoing Pandemics, there's a new pandemic, of course. It's not a pandemic yet, but there's a new disease going on out there called monkeypox. Now, where did that come from? And a very alarming one that has been discovered in Africa, it's called Marburg virus. There's no cure, and 90% of the people that get it die. This is a real scary one. They're predicting it's very contagious. And and all of a sudden, these, these things are popping up. Of course, that in the book of Revelation, we know that there will be many plagues. And we're seeing, we're seeing these things happening around us. So we have to stay close to the Lord and try not to uh, become so upset with the things that are going on around us, which we have no control over. We don't have control over other people. We don't have control over what other people say or other people do. We, and we see the, the government of our country falling apart and, and uh, doing things that seem to us so un-American. And we, we feel powerless, really, to do anything about it. 
So all of this makes us even more dependent on the Lord and he's our only hope. So as Christians, and we in August we'll be going into our 13th year of broadcasting and it's a milestone really. It's a, I can hardly believe it myself that it's been 13 years, but I want to thank God. I want to thank everybody who supported us over these years, the many generous people that have uh, been there and been a friend to this ministry. I want to thank you with all my heart. I appreciate it so very much. And we were reflecting the other day on the life of George Mueller, who took care of 10,000 or more orphans during his ministry. He never asked for anything. He never begged anybody to support him. And he was a kind man and a man of God who took care, who had many orphanages. And we don't see that many orphanages today. We hope that we hope that we can see more and see more children adopted and, and uh, to st stem the tide of abortions. But he's, he's a life that we should reflect on as ministers of the gospel and as Christians because God knows our needs and he was dependent on the Lord for his ministry and God really, really did, did take care of him. He, even when he died, the whole town closed down to attend his funeral. He was admired by saints and sinners alike. And that would be that that should be what our legacy is after we leave this earth that people could say well done and you don't have a life of scandal and anything that could bring a reproach to the Lord Jesus Christ that people in ministry and the body of Christ that really love the Lord we take this very seriously and we don't want to do anything to hurt other people and anything that would bring a reproach to the gospel there, people watch your life, and if you claim to be a Christian, you have to live a Christian life so that it brings glory to God. And that, that's always, that should always be in our thoughts. And, uh, of course, we know people aren't perfect. That's for sure. That's why we need a Savior. So everybody's working out their salvation with fear and trembling, but, but we all we try to do our best and we try to be a good witness to the rest of the world because the world is hurting there's so much chaos you just you can't hardly believe when you hear that they want they want to take away the term mother could you imagine a, ch a child growing up and they don't know they have a mother they have a birthing parent you can hardly believe these things. But that's how the devil is. The devil likes to change the meanings of words. And so we have the word of God. We study to show ourselves approved. And so God help us in the days ahead. God help us and we, and we play. Pray for protection of our government officials, especially 
that God would protect them and the people in public, the people that are in the public eye. Is when you put yourself in the public eye, you're out there, you're, you could be a target. So we just pray for God's protection. And uh, God can take care of the uh, false teachers and the false prophets. It, God can take care of them. So the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So we don't have to do anything to try to hurt people. I was very shocked when I saw what happened to the ex-Japanese prime minister. And it was a shocking turn of events. And of course, we know that in this country, we've gone through political upheaval in the past with the death of John F. Kennedy, which I think just devastated us as a nation and as a people when we could watch something like that occur right before our eyes. And then, of course, Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert F. Kennedy, Malcolm X. There was so much violence in the 60s that we saw. It, it, it was hard to get the, it, those things out of your mind. So I know for myself, I don't ever want to see anything like that again. I, I don't care how much I might dislike someone, or I might dislike a political figure. No one has the right to commit violence against these people because of their opinions and their political bent. So we're people of peace and we just have to pray for God's safety. I, I don't I don't think it's right to go to people's houses and, and protest at their homes and to uh, follow them around and harass them. It's okay to have a protest if someone's going to a church and they're going to be a speaker and you want to stand outside and protest that. that yes, to make people aware. And uh, there's nothing wrong with protesting. But there is something wrong when people turn violent. And people get so angry that they want to retaliate. But that's never to be for a Christian. So God help us. God help us in the days ahead. And... Uh, We want to see peace. We want to be purveyors of peace and to have dialogue with people. It's great if you could talk to somebody and if there is somebody that you oppose, especially politically, and have a dialogue without becoming angry and vicious. You, we know that uh, it's even in this day of communication, it's hard to communicate with some people in, in uh, when they have a high public profile. They don't answer your emails or they don't answer, they wouldn't answer your telephone calls, I guess, for the most part. So it's hard to have a dialogue. So you have your dialogue publicly and 
you hope sometimes that they see things and that they examine themselves and try to correct some of the false teachings. Next week, we're going to have Ron Roby on, and we're going to talk about this Creflo Dollar thing where he's now saying that you don't have to tithe under the new covenant. But it's not everything that it's panning out to be, or, or it seems to be. We, we're seeing some things that are a little disturbing, and it, it seems like Creflo really hasn't, been 100% honest about tithing never being money. It never was money, ever. It was always livestock or produce. It was food. So he's he hasn't been 100% honest. And so we're going to examine some of his sermons in the past few weeks on the subject of tithing. So we'll be doing that. We'll probably do uh, a couple of programs on that so uh, I know Ron is having some problems with his hearing so we'll try to uh, get some things some of his audios together and go over Creflo's sermons you always hope that people will really read the the word because you have these teachers like Creflo Dollar, and he's been out there for years teaching on tithing, and now he's telling people to throw away all his books and tapes and everything he ever taught on tithing, and he's changing. So you hope that he reads the word, and like I did, I, I finally, after 15 years of tithing, and I finally decided I was going to look into what the Bible had to say about giving. So I spent three months looking at every scripture, trying to figure it out for myself. And then I figured out there was no tithing required in the New Testament. And it never was money anyway. It never was the way I was taught that it was. So you would hope that someone like Creflo Dollar then would take the Bible and he would do the same thing and teach it correctly, which he wasn't doing for 20 or 30 years, however long he's been in the ministry. It's been a long time. And being a pastor and collecting millions of dollars in tithe money. And you would hope at this point that he would really study and then present a correct dialogue where tithing is concerned. Of course, he had many good points in some of his newer sermons on the subject, which are available on YouTube and and on, I guess, on his website and Facebook and wherever his sermons can be found. But still, it seems like still he's manipulating. And still, there's some things he's teaching that aren't correct. So you would hope for a 100% turnaround and to teach people to trust God to provide for them without having to beg I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. There's nothing worse than someone that's begging for, uh, and uh, especially when it's a preacher. (laughs) I mean, who likes it? But it works. It works. It works. So that's why they do it. And we're going to talk about Oral Roberts today. He was one of the biggest beggars going. Oh, he could spin a yarn and get people to feel sorry for him 
and help him, even to the point of saying that he was going to die if he didn't get a certain amount of money to build his city of faith. Yeah. So it was quite a it was quite a life story, and so that's what we're we're going to talk about today is the uh, part two of the Oral Roberts saga, and I want to open up with this. We played this clip last week, but here's basically how Oral wound up. Lori, would you come and stand in Evans, please? Evan, would you come stand by me? <clears throat> now, Brother Copeland and your dear wife, Gloria, would you look at us? Look on us. Hey. Silver and gold have we plenty. <laughs> did it do him in the end? Silver and gold, have we plenty? Yeah, yeah. Look, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? Or Oral Roberts, the father of the seed faith gospel, who in the end was $50 million in debt, probably more, and uh, they, they sold the university that bears his name. And his son, Richard, was forced out, I would say. Of course, he resigned, but I think he, they were forcing him out. And they wanted him out of there. They wanted him off the property. And so that was what was left behind of oral. Roberts ministry. Of course, they, they're still, they still have the Oral Roberts Evangelistic Association, which bears his name, and Richard runs that. But I'm going to play these clips. We're going to talk about his building of the city of faith, the, uh, some of the things that happened after that. But we'll start there. And uh, explain kind of the background and the history here. My friend, I'm here in the prayer tower on the campus of Royal Roberts University. I'm here in my personal prayer room, and I've got a mad on in my soul, not at any human being in the world, but at the devil. There's a trick being played to destroy what I'm trying to do under a mandate by my Heavenly Father and by your Heavenly Father to take his medical presence into the nations of the world and to help rebirth a missionary heart in the body of Christ, in the church of Jesus Christ, in this country and worldwide and in the heart of every believer. I've got a mad on because this is a mandate on my life. And I'm here in the prayer tower, just like I told you, on this Sunday, March the 22nd, 
and I'll be here throughout the rest of this month, nine more days until April 1. I'll be here, and I'll not come down except for those few times for the essentials that I must have for my life. But I'll, I'll be here, and I'll not come down until we hear from heaven, until God answers. And now, I want to pray for you first, because in a moment, I want to take you back to January 4th on our television program and let you hear what Oral Roberts said, not what the media said I said. What the media said I said is different from what Oral Roberts said on his television program on January 4th. And a trick is not going to be played on this ministry and on the kingdom of God because you're going to hear it out of my mouth. You're going to see it with your eyes and hear it with your ears. And we're going to get down to the real issue. And I'm going to talk to you today on some things I've written on this pad because I don't want them to slip from my mind. I want you to hear them because it's going to change things. Pray with me, please. Father, open the ears of this person, this individual, including my partners, to hear, to hear what you said in my spirit, what you spoke inside me in your mandate, and bless them in the name of Christ. I believe for it. Amen. And now, I want you to hear what I said on our television program January 4th. Listen to every word, then I'll come back to it, and then we're going to talk. And he said, I want you to believe you can raise the $8 million, because in my heart, I didn't believe I could. With the regular income we must have to keep all the ministry going, it looked impossible to me. You know, to come this far with hundreds of millions of dollars and then to maintain this every month, the television work, the Oral Roberts University with its 4,664 students, the Science and Wonders Seminary, the City of Faith, and to take care of the poor as best as we can, and to go to the nations to have enough money each month is a struggle. And we've fallen behind for three or four months. And, and when God talked to me about raising the $8 million over and above all of these regular needs each month, I mean, my stomach turned over, just like yours, when, when you don't have the money to pay your bills. You know how you feel. And uh, he said, I want you to believe. Now, that's what I said. Not just $8 million for medical missions as a mandate on my life by the end of March to put his medical presence in the earth. Yes. But he said to me, above the regular needs of the ministry every month, including the several months that you have fallen behind. What God was saying to me, if we raise all the needs of our current ministry, the Royal Roberts University and all of its students, the city of faith, treating the poor, sending this gospel to the world, and did not raise the eight million, we still could not turn the medical school around and scholarship them and plant God's medical presence in the earth. Most of us don't make bets that we can't afford. 
<laughs> but these guys have always got these projects, which it was a $500 million project to build the City of Faith Hospital, Medical Center, Cancer Research. It sounded like a good idea. You hear Paula White now. Paula White's going to build a hospital. She's talking about building a city. It never... It, she lives in a city. She doesn't need to build a city, but it's a fundraising technique that people use. There's never been really a successful city that's been built by uh, these preachers that have been successful. God didn't call us to build cities. He called us to help build people. So you hear he's going to go up into the prayer tower, and he won't come down until he hears from God. That was a ploy that he used to use about going up into this prayer tower that he built, and it, it, and he would surround himself with these prayer requests, and he was praying for people, and he was crying over these prayer requests, and, and uh, it's a ploy, it's a ploy. We don't have to brag to people about how spiritual we are, and look what we're doing as far as how many hours a day I'm spending in prayer, and I'm taking your prayer request, and I'm holding them to my heart. Uh, no, no. But Oral Roberts was a good beggar. He was a good beggar. He was also uh, a friend of this man called uh, James Eugene Ewing, which most people don't know about, but he he was a person or a, a, a former minister who would write appeal letters. He would He's the one that people went to to uh, get these appeal letters. They were very successful, and I'm sure we all have received these appeal letters, and people are still writing them. I don't know if he's still in business writing these appeal letters. He, he's still alive. You can look up information about him, Gene Ewing, E-W-I-N-G. And uh, anyway, he, he was the person that helped Oral Roberts to raise millions of dollars by writing these letters and then uh, suggesting to him about going up into the prayer tower and taking these pictures, which he would send out, was surrounded by the prayer request. And there was Oral. It's like people had to have Oral Roberts pray for them. Otherwise, God wasn't going to hear their prayers. They, they like to make you think that their prayers are more special than yours, and you really can't pray for yourself. You have to have Oral Roberts or Benny Hinn or somebody that's got the, the miracle anointing on their lives to pray for you. No, no. God hears your prayers just like he hears their prayers. And uh, you don't need some special evangelist to pray for you to uh, get God to do things for you. God's a father. He loves us. My, my parents never had to go through a third party to uh, hear about what it was that I needed. No. <laughs> Oh, it's it's crazy, isn't it? How uh, they're very manipulative, and of course, it it worked for a long, long time because his ministry was very, very prosperous. And if, and you can go onto some of the video channels and see some of his early television programs, and it, they were doing like a Hollywood variety program where they would have Robert Goulet and different singers. And they would do these dance numbers at the time. Richard's wife, Patty, was a singer, his first wife, and Richard. And they would sing, and they would do dance numbers. And 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that had to do with the gospel, but it's it's quite hilarious, really, to look at some of these productions that they were doing. I thought they were flying high. Huh? They were taking in so much money, and uh, they didn't know what to do with it. I I have. Uh, written about it in my book, Seed Faith, Can a Man Bribe God? I've got a whole chapter on Oral Roberts. And uh, I'll mention that some of the facts that are in the book about uh, Oral Roberts University, it sits on 263 acres. It was built in 1963. And it still bears his name today, although they don't, the Roberts family does not have anything to do with it. It was purchased by Hobby Lobby billionaire Matt Green. And he gave over $100 million to retire the debt and to improve and renovate the properties. They also own a television network, GEB, which you can see on some of the cable channels or satellite channels. And they are big proponents of the seed, faith, prosperity gospel, which they then teach to the students that go to Oral Roberts University, which is very, very sad. There was a book that was published in 1979 by a man named Jerry Scholes, Give Me That Primetime Religion. And he it, it was an expose and uh, they talked about Oral Roberts and some of the things he was doing. Anyway, Jerry Scholes was mysteriously beat up before a scheduled interview after his book was published. He was reported, it was reported in a story by David Arnett of Tulsa World in November 2007, as well as other news sources before that. 20 years later, those words stand true, and I am personally thankful that zealots didn't beat the you-know-what out of me They that like they did Jerry Scholes, who spent time recovering in a local hospital before he disappeared from Tulsa. And here's a quote from Jerry Scholes' book. The finances of Oral Roberts' ministry, as Scholes related that Oral Roberts' mailroom, now this is in 1979, Oral Roberts' mailroom is equipped to handle 20,000 letters per day. He related that 90% of those letters contain a contribution, and the average contribution is $5. The daily income of the Oral Roberts ministry from the mailroom alone would total $90,000 per day or $450,000 per week. Now, in 1979, that was a lot of money. This comes to $23 million per year from the mailroom contributions alone. Yeah. So, of course, the Roberts family didn't like this book. They don't... It was never proven who had attacked Jerry Scholes. You can still find this book 
on uh, Amazon and, and uh, some other book distributors. But he was he would be somebody I would really love to talk to. So. At that time, it was harder to get information out. You could. There was many reporters that were that would do stories and investigative reports on these ministries, and they did. Some of them really did a good job. It's not so much anymore. There's so much information out there on the internet, and you think people would wake up to uh, how they're getting scammed by these TV preachers. But yet, it's a big business. When you look at all the money these people take in. And, uh, for instance, I was looking last week, and, I, I, and I'm not saying Samaritan's Purse, they're con artists, and I don't think they are. But they took in over $700 million last year. Wow, $700 million? And that's a lot of money. And also a ministry like the 700 Club. They, they um, have a one-hour program every day. And then they do some charity work. They, they took in $300 million at one point a few years ago when I checked their 990. Wow, that's a lot of money. So a lot of these very, very wealthy ministries take in hundreds of millions of dollars, and a lot of it goes to salaries. And, and uh, I know that they had reported a few years back that Franklin Graham was getting over $500,000 a year. He's probably getting more than that in salary. I don't know what Pat Robertson was getting and, and his family members, but it's very, very lucrative. So for the most part, people donate to these large ministries that are on television, and uh, they donate because the, uh, they're sending out an appeal letter or they're making a drive for funds. And most people aren't sitting at home, and you would hope that pe this is the way people would give, is that they would ask God who the Lord, who they should support or who they should give money to, but it, it doesn't work that way. It, it's sad to say it doesn't really work that way. It should. That should be the way we do, we, we, uh, do things is we hear from God. So that's the best way. I think people are moved by pictures, when they see these suffering people on television, and uh, they're uh, like they say, we're we're gonna we're building these things for Holocaust victims. Well, in reality, there's not that many Holocaust victims left anymore. Most of them have passed away, so they they managed to raise hundreds of millions of dollars for Holocaust victims when there's not that many Holocaust victims. But it it sounds good. And it tugs at people's hearts. Christians are generous. We are natural-born givers when we get saved. We just we want to bless people. We have compassion. We we are kind, and uh, it's in our nature when we when we receive Christ as our Savior, and Jesus comes into our life and the Holy Spirit. So by nature we're givers, and we're, we want to help. So you would hope that people would then ask God where their money should go, where their charity should go, and that would be the ultimate, the best way 
to uh, get things done. And it would, it would eliminate all this corruption that's out there and the greed. It, it would be a much better church. Well, here's part two from Oral Roberts and his desperate plea for funds. But on the other hand, if we raised all the $8 million and did not have the money coming in each month to maintain this work, to meet the regular needs, it would be futile. We would fail. So a wrong message has been set out because they were quoting me out of context, and I wanted you to hear what I believed in my heart that God spoke to Oral Roberts. Now, I've written down some things here that are highly important for you and for medical missions and for every pastor, every church, every believer in the world. After all the onslaughts on my life, these past three months, January, February, and March, I've been in the midst of rebirthing the medical missions, the medical missions under Paul and Luke, as in the book of Acts, in the Bible, and those men and their teams as ministers of the gospel and medical doctors were the first to open the nations for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now I am rebirthing, along with my friends and partners, medical missions so it will not die from the earth like it has the past 20 centuries. All the $8 million to turn the medical school around is not here yet, but we are not far away. And in these next nine days, I'm up here in this prayer tower. I'm praying and believing God. I'm laying my hands upon every letter, upon every prayer request. And I'd like to ask you to step to your telephone and call that number on your screen and tell me that you will tarry one hour in prayer with me. Jesus said to his disciples on the night of Gethsemane, could you not tarry and pray with me one hour? I need you to pray with me in these next nine days and give me at least one hour that you'll tarry with me in prayer and think of me up here in the prayer tower day and night and to believe that God is going to give you the abundance. God's going to help you with your needs. You know, I remember Billy Graham coming here in 1967, 20 years ago, to dedicate Oral Roberts University. I remember his words about the founding purpose of this university. In fact, I remember what people say. I'd like for you to hear what Billy Graham, my beloved friend, said 20 years ago. This institution was built by the prayers and the dedication and the money of men and women who love God and who believe the gospel and who believe the Bible is the word of God. And its founder and first president was an evangelist first and always of the gospel of Jesus Christ, whom God has used in many parts of our world. But I talked to the president of a brand new Baptist college recently. I went there to help dedicate it. The college is just starting. He said, I already feel tremendous pressure to move this school away from the principles of its founding fathers. 
Roman Catholic institutions, Protestant institutions, are feeling that pressure tremendously today. If this institution ever moves away from faith in the Bible and faith in God and putting God first, then let us this day pronounce a curse on it. My friend, that's what this thing is all about. That's what this mandate on my life is all about. It, Billy Graham knew my calling. He knows my calling today to take God's healing power to my generation, to raise up God a university where its students can hear the voice of God and can carry God's gospel to the ends of the earth. This is no th new thing. This is not an Oral Roberts thing. This is for the body of Christ. It's for the church of Jesus Christ. It's for every believer. It's for the nations of the world that don't have the power of God, who don't have medical missionaries. I've traveled in 46 nations for Christ in great crusades, masses up to 100,000 people a day. I never met one medical missionary in the whole earth. They say there are around 400 medical missionaries in the world. You think about that. Oral Roberts University Medical School can double that, that number in less than 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the fact that they lost their university in the end, maybe God did pronounce a curse on it, like Billy Graham said. Maybe God did. Here's part three. Early in my ministry, I had a term called the pace of faith that starts with a few seeds you begin to plant, and you keep on planting until you get into a rhythm of sowing and reaping, then reaping and sowing, giving and receiving, receiving and giving, until rhythmically, you don't let the devil steal the hundredfold return in your life. Then I said, the pace of faith operates on the principles of God's abundant life, not on just barely making it, living on the edge of existence, hardly getting by. You're beat down. That's not the gospel. The pace of faith operates on the principles of God's abundant life, when you can't live just by living. You can go to jail and live, but what a miserable life. God wants you to live out of the overflow of your faith, and the pace of your faith is designed to get you into the overflow. The example is in Luke 5, when Peter, James, and John limped Christ their boat, which was empty. They'd toiled all night and caught nothing. They planted a seed for him to preach from. Then he said, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And they caught so many fish, their nets broke, and their boat began to sink. It was a net-breaking, boat-sinking load. Christ was trying to say, live out of the overflow, not just on the bare edge, hoping you're going to have the money, hoping you're going to have the money to barely pay your rent or your house payment or your car payment or to go buy groceries or clothes for your children or to hold your head up. God's got something better for you than that. He has the overflow. Your faith is designed for you to operate in the overflow. Now you take the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. 
Christ had just met a rich young ruler. And this young man was in love with his money, and he wanted to love God. And Jesus told him he could have both. He could have God, and he could have money, but he couldn't worship both of them because he'd hate one and love the other. And the young man turned away sorrowfully. And then Peter asked Christ the question. He said, look, we've given up everything. What are we going to get there for? All my life I've been taught by church people that I shouldn't ask that question. If I give God my best, God, what are you going to do? Are you going to reward me? They told me not to do that, but to give and expect nothing back. God said to me, you tell the people as they help you put my medical presence in the earth, I will put them in my reward system. If you help and build And he gave me the 10th chapter of Acts of Mark's gospel on the 100-fold return right here where, where Peter's asking this question. Peter, in receiving Christ, had walked away from his real estate, his physical properties, the boat with which he made a living. Certain people, loved ones and friends, turned against him. Now he's following Christ. He says, what am I going to get out of it? And here in the 28th verse and the 29th, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Peter, Jesus answers that question, What are you going to get? Yeah. There is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother, wife, children or lands for my sake in the Gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now. You know what now is? Now. In this time. Houses, lands, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, with persecutions. And in the world to come, listen to him, the world to come, there is a world to come, eternal life. That's what our Savior said. Number one, he talked about the hundredfold return. That's what you're going to get if you're taught it and you believe it and you plant your seeds for it and you stake your faith on God as your source, the hundredfold return. Yes, because you're really serving God, certain people have turned away from you. Sometimes you don't have the money to buy a home or a car or even groceries. Sometimes your business fails, it goes into bankruptcy, and you wonder, God, I'm giving you my life. What am I going to get? Jesus is talking to you, my friend. Open up yourself for the hundredfold return and expect through your seed planting to receive real estate. I mean, claim God's earth back from the devil. Claim it. These 400 acres of Royal Roberts University has been claimed back from the devil. They belong to God and his people and these students. If you have a piece of real estate and you're a child of God, you, you've reclaimed it from the devil. Believe for the money, the hundredfold amount of money to operate your life. Yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's telling you to believe, but he's begging. <laughs> oh. yeah, yeah, he was taught, uh, well, when you give, don't expect anything in return. That's not supposed to be our motive for giving anyway, as a Christian. No.
Not only your spiritual life, your physical life, but your financial life and to maintain your family. And he said, with persecutions. I've never been this persecuted in four decades. Now I want the hundredfold return. And I intend to get it. You've been persecuted with me. You want the hundredfold return, and I intend for you to get the hundredfold return. And then he said, in the world to come, God said to me, many people think that they can just get their foot in the door of heaven. They'll be happy. He said they'll be very disappointed because in the world to come, your work will just begin. Jesus Christ is going to come back to this same earth just like it is right, right now. And we're saved by grace. It's a gift. We can't earn it. It's a gift. But he said we are judged and rewarded by our works. And based on our works, God will apportion us rulership on this earth. And our work will just begin. We're not going over to fan ourselves down by the river of life. And uh, while somebody's playing a harp, friend, we're going to be in, a, in God's world, a new world. And we're going to be more active and busier we've ever been in our lives and the devil will be bound that whole thousand years without a devil i mean we're going to have the time of our lives in the world to come you know jesus said to peter the hundredfold return will come to you with persecutions and peter got the hundredfold you look at him on the day of pentecost when the holy ghost came and birthed the church it was peter standing up there leading that you, you look at him as he opened the door of salvation to the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. I wouldn't be saved today without Peter through God's grace opening the door to the Gentiles. Look at him as he comes up to the temple and meets the lame man and says, such as I have, I give you. And he gave him his right hand and the power of God flowed in the lame man's body and he leaped and walked. That's the same man back there saying, Lord, I've left all and followed you. What am I going to get? And Christ said to him, you're going to get the hundredfold return. That's what changed Peter's life. That's what's going to change your life. You've been to the beach. I have. I've swum in the ocean. On every beach in every ocean of the world, right now, there's an old wave that is coming in and spending itself on the sands and then turning around and going back out to be met by a new wave and there's a clash especially when a storm is way out in the sea i remember one day i was swimming in the ocean and i got caught between the old wave and the new wave and the storm uh, rose up out there in the ocean and the waters came rushing in, and I could see the old wave coming back, and I could see the new wave coming, and I was caught. When the old wave and the new wave clashed, I mean clashed, it threw me clear up out of the water, and then grabbed me and slung me, flung me right to the bottom. I thought I would die. I mean, I got hurt. I clawed my way out because the old wave was saying to the new wave, you shall not come in. And the new wave was saying, I am coming in. 
Now, where are we right now? The old wave that has neglected medical missions, the old wave that has spent its force in religion. I'm not talking about the gospel. I'm talking about stuff that goes under the name of religion that says it's just in the four walls of a church building. And you turn in on yourself, and you forget mankind, you, f you forget the nations, you forget the world, you forget the great commission that Christ gave. You forget that God said to Royal Roberts, I'm going to heal you of tuberculosis at age 17, and you are to take my healing power to your generation. I haven't forgot that. The old wave is neglecting the world and the nations. As I said, I never saw a medical missionary in the 46 nations I preached in. But there's a new wave coming, friend. There's a storm out there in the oceans of the world. There's a storm out there in the powers of, the, of darkness where the princes of the rulers, the darkness of this world, where Satan is the prince of the powers of the air. There's a storm. And the old wave that doesn't care, that doesn't care about souls being saved and sick people being healed, and the gospel of God going to the ends of the earth. The old wave is fighting. And it's saying to the new wave, you shall not come in. I'm part of the new wave, my friend. Yes, I heard God speak in my soul. I heard his words. Turn the medical school around to a Roberts University. Scholarship every student. Put my medical presence in the earth. Tell the people who, who help you, I'll put them in my reward system. Now, a few minutes ago, I shared with you about Jesus taking the boat of Peter, James, and... Yeah, God spoke to them. That's why they don't have a medical school anymore. And that was around uh, 1987 when Oral Roberts was saying if he didn't raise this money, God was going to call him home. Of course, we know that didn't happen. Here's the last part. Let down your net for a catch, and they caught a net-breaking boat sinking load. I want you to notice in Luke 5, 7, after they had the net-breaking boat sinking load, and the boat was just full of fish, and they beckoned unto their partners, partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they were so full, they began to sink. What I'm saying is, I want your boat filled. I want your, your life delivered. I want you into abundant living. I want you in the overflow. I want you to have victory as a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to open up and receive Christ as your personal Savior. If you're sick in your body, I want you to get an overwhelming healing. I want you to be healed. If it's through your doctor and medicine, praise God. If it's through the prayer of faith, praise God. If it's through both, praise God. Get your healing. I want you to get a financial miracle. And I pray for you. Oh, I feel the healing power of God up here in the prayer tower. I've been rekindling the healing gifts of God in my life. Coming up here, I touched the man, and he couldn't even stand up because the power of God, the healing went all through him. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, I pray for you. You foul, tormenting force that binds this man and this woman, this child, this family, you come out. You come out. In the name of Christ, 
Friends, I pray God to heal you through your body, through your soul, through your finances, through your family. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Friend, while I'm up here in the prayer tower today and these next nine days, and I'm not coming out until God answers, I'm here to rekindle the healing gifts in my life. And I'm expecting the healing power of God to emanate from this prayer tower. We have taken the anointing oil and anointed this entire prayer tower. We've taken off our shoes and walked through it. We've anointed it. We have sanctified it unto God again. For it's a focal point of prayer for millions of people worldwide. And from this ministry, as I'm up here, I'm expecting the healing power to emanate across this nation into your home, into your life. During these nine days, as you re remember, I'm up here praying. I want you to look for your healing miracle to happen to you. And let me remind you of something. You are my congregation. If I were a pastor of a local church, I could get up in that building and share with the people the needs, and just like we do in the local church I attend, and we hear the pastor, and we all give. But God made me a minister of the gospel to reach people in their homes. You are in my congregation. I have a right from God to talk to you about the needs of the gospel, just like the pastor of the local church does. And I need your help now. We have nine days left to meet God's mandate on my life, to put, put his medical presence in the earth. First, I'd like for you to write me and tell me that you will tear me one hour in prayer during these nine days and tell me what hour of the day or the night during these next nine days that you're praying. Let me know. Secondly, put in the seed that God puts in your heart. He knows exactly how much more we need in the eight million. He knows exactly how much more we need to, to catch up in our regular monthly needs being met. Don't listen to the critics and the persecutors. Listen to Jesus and send it in. And I'll put it on this medical missions project and on all the regular needs to bring this ministry up to date so it has a support system for the medical missions program of the medical school throughout the earth. And on April 1, I expect to be alive and to announce to the world that all the needs have been met. And now we're sending the first medical team opening the first medical station this summer i mean we're getting with it folks i need your help just call that number on your screen right now 918-495-7777 you can call immediately and put your seed faith gift on your mastercard your visa card your american express my mailing address is oral roberts tulsa oklahoma in Canada, Oral Roberts, Toronto, Ontario, I need you. I need your prayers. Yes, I need you to plant your seed to help me carry out God's mandate 
I need your prayers. I'm here every day. Every I'm day. here for nine days. And friends, I'm expecting that when these nine days are over, we will have reached the promised land <laughs> of taking God's medical presence to the nations to rebirth a missionary heart in the body of Christ and your heart around the world. Write me or call me. And remember, greater is he who's in you. <laughs> he was a good salesman, wasn't he? Oh, this, is a, this is a ploy that these people use where he says, I want you to pray with me for one hour and write me and let me know that you're going to join me for one hour. Well, that's a ploy. That, back then, it was a ploy to get your mailing address so then they can bombard you with their appeal letters. And many TV preachers use that ploy today where send in for your free book or anything to get your email address or your mailing address so then they can start sending you the begging letters. But, of course... His uh, medical missionary program didn't survive. It sounded like a good idea at the time, of course, but it didn't survive. But you may ask, what happened? What happened to Oral after he spent these days in the prayer tower? And if he didn't raise this money, God was going to call him home. But here's what happened to Oral. History yeah. through Oral Roberts' ministry. We're joined today by Dr. Larry Lee, the Dean of our Science and Wonder Seminary, and uh, Dr. Jim Winslow, who's in charge of all the medical mission stations. And Jim, I know you have a victory report for us. Billy Joe and Sharon are here. Lindsay is back on the program. And I'm happy to present to you evangelists, Oral and Evelyn Roberts, my dad and mother, who have a victory report direct from the prayer tower. Dad? Well, it's April, and I'm alive. You're alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. God. Well, let's give the Lord praise. People all across America are cheering today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, when I came down from the prayer tower last night after 10 days up there, well, I didn't leave until there was a moment. I'd been there 10 days. I'd been praying and seeking God. More than a million prayer requests had come in an all-time record for this ministry. I'd prayed so I didn't have much voice left. I'd sought God, men of God and women of God from all of America. Richard had come to your show and come up in the prayer tower. Students from ORU, faculty from ORU came to pray with me, Evelyn and you and others. And uh, I just finished praying for the last prayer request yesterday evening, which is March the 31st. And I stood up, and it was like all the lights of heaven were turned on. And I looked around, and inside me, it's over. I, God's done it. I had not thought of time. I was going through the day, and I was prepared to stay until midnight up in the prayer tower before I came, came down. And I stepped outside to one of the brothers, and I said, well, I don't know where I should just stay here to go through the motions a few more hours. 
because God has answered. He threw up his hands. He said, I can't feature you going through the motions on anything. <laughs> and I said, well. <laughs> Several things happened, Richard. One, I went up there to rekindle the healing gifts in my life. Yes. And I want to tell you that hand's on fire. And he immediately turned me toward uh, his own words. He said 2,000 years ago, written by Mark. In the Gospel of Mark, the 10th chapter and the 29th verse, a rich young ruler, you remember, had just turned away from Christ because he was trusting in his riches. And Christ told him that he couldn't trust in his riches. He had to trust in God. And so rather than trusting in God, he trusted his money and he turned away. Jesus was saying you can have both God and money, but you cannot serve both God and money. So when the rich young ruler turned away, refusing God and choosing his money rather than God, Peter spoke up and said, Lord, we have given up all and followed you. What are we going to get out of it? And all my life, uh, people have said that was the wrong question that, that, that Peter asked. What are we going to get out of it? It's not the wrong question. It's the right question. It was the right question because Jesus answered it. He did not rebuke Peter. You see, Peter was thinking about that time when he had loaned Christ his boat. And it was empty. And the nets were worn out. And they had toiled all night and taken no fish. And as commercial fishermen, they had no money for their families. And when Christ wanted to borrow the boat, to stand up in it and preach the gospel and... Peter and his, his partners gave it to Christ, and he finished preaching. Jesus said, launch out in the deep and let down your net for a catch. And they caught so many fish, they caught a net-breaking boat sinking load. And that's what turned Peter on to Jesus. That's what revealed to him he was a sinner. And Christ said, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. Now then, Peter, that, that same man stands there watching this man trust in his money and choose it over God. And he said, Lord, we've been giving and giving and giving. What are we going to get? And Jesus, Jesus answered, let me assure you that no one has ever given anything. Home, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you see how they were perpetuating this give-to-get gospel where you have to say to God when you give somebody something or you, or you do something nice for someone, now, God, what am I going to get for that? <laughs> That's not Christian. That's not Christian. And this this has been the ruin of so many lives. It has ruined so many lives and it's ruined the church at large because you, we've created this gospel of selfishness that we don't do anything unless we're going to get something back. Well, we know the Bible says, given it shall be given. Yeah. 
But that's not supposed to be our motivation, that we look at a suffering person and we say, oh, well, let me see now. Is this going to be to my advantage to do something for them? It was so wrong. It was so wrong. But it's been very successful. It's been a gospel that has, and it's not really the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but this gospel that Oral Roberts preached is very, very prevalent still today. But you see that he came down from the prayer tower, and he's alive. He didn't die. He raised his money. They, he said that there was over a million prayer requests that came in. So you could imagine all the money that was tucked in with that, uh, those million prayer requests that came in. So his little ploy there that uh, God was going to take him home if he didn't raise this money, it, it, uh, God didn't take him home. He raised his money and he went on. But of course, he, uh, it, the City of Faith was not successful. I'm going to play a few audios about that, but. Also, remember that uh, Oral said he had a vision in 1997 of a 900-foot Jesus. <laughs> now, you can't even imagine that, right? And anyway, how would he know that he was 900 feet? But he said he had a vision of a 900-foot Jesus who told him to build the City of Faith Medical Research uh, Medical Center, and that it was also a research center. I was there. At, uh, at a Kenneth Hagen conference one year, and I, I went over and saw the City of Faith. It was a magnificent structure, no doubt. It cost over $500 million to build. I think they built it debt-free. But it didn't succeed in the end. It just, it, it, I had a friend tell me one time, whatever you compromise to gain, you'll lose. And, of course, we, we see that in the life of uh, Oral Roberts. He led a life of compromise. He led a life spreading a false gospel that has been very hurtful to the body of Christ. And what good did it do him? I want you to call this new medical research center the City of Faith. One of the ministers who prayed for me in 1935 to heal tuberculosis said, God, if it be your will, heal oral. The doctors came in knowing it was God's will. I mean, they're working on me every way they knew how to get me well. See, I could have died while the preacher was praying, God, if it is it your will? And I think God intended to heal through medical science. The quinine from the bark of a tree, the penicillin from the mold of the bread, the surgeon's skill, all this is of God. People honestly opposed the city of faith because they thought it might hurt them. We had to sit down and say, will it hurt them? I think the opposition we had was honest. And that opposition helped us a lot. I mean by that, it made us look at ourselves.
I have no personal power to heal, for no man can heal. Only God can do that. But I'm an instrument in the hands of God, and this is my point of contact. Evangelist Oral Roberts on faith, healing, and his usually successful but controversial ministry. Your optimism comes from your faith, right? Come from my experience. Now is the time to say, I believe God. America is God's country. But he loves all people, doesn't he? Oh, he loves like everybody. Everybody. He so loves the Muslims. Doesn't favor Americans over Muslims or uh, uh, favor Jews over Catholics. I mean, everybody's equal. He's looking for faith. He's looking for faith. Faith in. Yeah, yeah. He's looking for faith. Yeah, God's looking for faith. Yeah. But Orr went on to build the city of faith. It was a 777 bed hospital, magnificent hospital, medical school, medical research center. It still stands today. Here's part two. Series today will be exploring those beautiful golden skyscrapers near the ORU campus. Ted Reeds with the Tulsa Foundation for Architecture takes us on a tour. Good morning and welcome to Good Day Tulsa for our seventh in a series of Behind the Icons in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today we're out south at the uh, Cityplex Towers, formerly known as the City of Faith. Uh, designed uh, through a vision of the founder, Oral Roberts, of Oral Roberts University, of a medical facility originally envisioned to be 777 feet tall. The FDA, unfortunately, because it's in the flight path, put some uh, value engineering quite early on it, so it ended up 638 feet tall. It is still at 60 stories the tallest by stories structure in the city of Tulsa. In height, it's only outmaneuvered by the BOK Tower by 19 feet. Designed by Frank Wallace in a style that has slowly become known as God Mod, uh, due to the nature of the curriculum and the nature uh, of what they practice here. This building, through Oral's vision, uh, was to attack three sicknesses, cancer, aging, and heart disease. And those three uh, tenants uh, were what this, this whole facility is built upon. Groundbreaking occurred for the City of Faith on January 24th, 1978, which coincidentally was Oral Roberts' 60th birthday. He broke ground before he had approval from the State Department of Health. Uh, there was some uh, noise about we have already too many hospital beds in Tulsa when he built this. But Oral stood his ground and, and quietly uh, moved ahead. And in an interview with ABC in March of 1978, he had full confidence that the whole complex would be approved by Health and Human Services of the state of Oklahoma. Three towers are part of this complex. They make up over two million square feet. As a combined edifice, single edifice, they are the largest poured-in-place concrete structure west of the Mississippi River. The towers were to hold this. The 60-story building was built, in Oral's words, as a referral center uh, for patients coming in and getting looked at. The 20-story was 
for working with science in a clinical setting. And the 30-story tower was for a 777-bed hospital. Here we stand on the 60th floor looking out the windows. This height connects us to the river. And to the river symbolically flows the healing waters. It really is a beautiful view. You feel like you're part of the heavens up here. So Oral was really the first to declare the prosperity gospel. In the 1950s on his radio show, he promised for every dollar you contributed, you would get a return seven times over in heaven. So began, in my opinion, his fascination with the number seven, 777 feet tall. In front, going to the north, was a 777-foot-long river that culminated along 81st Street with the prayer hands. 777 beds. While never completed, it was still symbolic uh, to him and to his followers. This building has survived because, like other good buildings that are built with good bones and a good soul, it's adapted to a new beginning and a new existence. And that is of partially a surgical hospital, a lot of office space, uh, and various other occupancies. So it has adapted to the times. When Oral had this built, he hoped that his hospital would last forever. In the end, while his hospital did not last, the building has. And here at 39 years and going on 40 years, this joins the legacy of icons in Tulsa that we proudly call our own. And now you know. Pretty interesting, right? As you can see, Oral Roberts believed the number seven very spiritually significant. He based a lot of his designs for the Cityplex Towers around the numbers we just saw. And although we didn't plan it this way, it just so happens that was the seventh installment in our Behind the Icon series. Yeah, so we know the City of Faith did not succeed. It opened in 1981. And... It closed in 1989. So if it was a vision from God and it was God-ordained, it would have succeeded, but it did not. And uh, now it's an office complex. And it sits across from Oral Roberts University, which also does not belong to the Roberts family any longer. There was many tragedies in Oral Roberts' life. His daughter was killed in a plane crash along with her husband. And it was in 1977. There were six people on a plane, on a plane and they were coming from Aspen, Colorado, back to Tulsa. Very sad tragedy. His daughter and her husband left behind children, and they were killed in that crash. Also, his son, Ronald, committed suicide with a gunshot wound to the heart. A very, very sad tragedy. Uh, 
a, a very troubled individual. There's been many rumors about him, and so there. Here is a. I'm going to play this audio from the grandson of all Roberts, and who is a homosexual who was married with children and left his marriage to become a homosexual, and he married a man. Here's some of his testimony. Marriage and LGBT rights is also a polarizing campaign issue, with some far-right Christian candidates even suggesting you can pray the gay away. A new voice in this arena shares that evangelical pedigree. He is the grandson of televangelist, televangelist rather, Earl Roberts. But despite growing up in the shadow of his grandfather, Randy Roberts Potts isn't talking fire and brimstone, but tolerance. My colleague, NBC's Paige Popkins, is here with this story, so this is an interesting one. It is very interesting, Alex, and you've got to remember that Oral Roberts was the first and one of the biggest of the televangelists. I mean, he brought the Pentecostal faith to mainstream America, he started a self-named university, and, of course, lived a rich life through his relentless pleas for money from his followers. Well, his grandson, Randy Roberts Potts, grew up with him in Tulsa, Oklahoma, steeped in that really sheltered, far-right Christian world. Well, now he's following a calling like his grandfather, but with an unexpected message. In the name of Jesus, come up! Oral Roberts was one of the first and most iconic of the televangelists. Randy Roberts Potts grew up on the family compound in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with his larger-than-life grandfather. He was a very complex person who uh, made a lot of decisions I don't agree with. But I think you had a real heart for people. A legacy his grandson is carrying on today, but with an unexpected twist. I woke up one day and was, you know, I felt suicidal. I'd been for years wishing that I would just die because I didn't want to come out. I didn't want to be gay. So Randy Potts spent years living the life expected of Oral Roberts' grandson. He was married with three children. I really loved my wife. We met at 18, and we were best friends, and we were inseparable. At the time, I knew I didn't really have sexual attractions for women. So why would you, why would you get married? You how do you have three kids? Because, honestly, I thought I was just a really good Christian, that I just didn't sexualize women. <laughs> that I just thought, well, lucky me, I don't really look at women the way all the boys do. The suicide of Randy's closeted gay uncle when he was just a boy haunted him until he had a revelation while he was married. We led these very similar lives. And then in my late 20s, I discovered that he was gay, just as I was discovering, you know, that, that I was not bi, that I really was just gay. And, you know, so of course, then I really related to him. His uncle's secret life and tragic death inspired Randy to get divorced and live openly as a gay man, not knowing what his life would be like. The only thing I knew about homosexuals was that they maybe went to parks and did, you know, dirty things or something. I knew I didn't want to spend my life um, every night in a club getting drunk and doing stuff in parks. And that just, that was my view of homosexuality. And I thought, well, that's not me. Randy's decision to come out was felt at Oral Roberts' funeral when his mother spoke before the mourners. I was not invited to sit with the family. She got up to speak about my grandfather and, and then saw me in the audience and she just lost it and, and started talking about how um, there were, that, you know, homosexuals were going to hell. I think for about 10 seconds I sat there and kind of quaking in my boots, you know, and, and then this calmness passed over me and I just, I just let it go. I thought, you know, that's, that's where she is and she's hurting and she's angry, um, but I'm not. 
I think that you know you can't hate someone for feeling that way at all. I, I love my mother, and I know that she wants the best for me and doesn't want me to go to hell. Randy's mission now is to reach out to the very people who shunned him, the evangelical communities. I don't think that evangelicals hate homosexuals at all. I think that they look at Jesus' message as being accepting, but Jesus also came down strongly against sin, and they see homosexuality as sin. For them, people who are openly gay are defying God. They are not bad people, and I know in their heart that they don't want to do that. So it's a, it's a, I think it's a tug of war. Miracles happen through forgiveness. A battle Randy has taken on, preaching acceptance. I am setting up meetings with uh, evangelical ministers. They're private, they're not you know, public, but meetings to kind of figure out, okay, you're here, I'm there, how do we find common ground? The rhetoric they are, they are currently using is tearing apart families, it leads to drug and alcohol abuse, it leads to suicide, and a lot of ministers are getting that. I may not be able to change their mind about homosexuality, but maybe I can change how they address it in their church so that families aren't torn apart so often. He's also setting up storefronts in religiously conservative towns where he and his boyfriend will go about their daily routine, all on display to show how normal they are. In the 90s, there was sort of a shift where gay men and women were coming out and saying, we do want to serve in the military. We do want to get married. We are conservative, some of us. Americans really want to be tolerant and accepting, and they want to embrace gay men and women, but they want to embrace people with uh, their values that want to get married that might want to serve in the military. So what do you think Earl Roberts would say about you today? You know, I think that had he come from a, a later generation, yeah. I think he would have been very gay affirming. He was very, very much a pioneer on the uh, um, race issue in the 70s. He made sure his choir was very integrated. Had he come from a later generation, he may have decided to be a pioneer on gay rights. I, I, and Randy visited his grandfather, Oral Roberts, right before his death two years ago. And he says that at that point, his grandfather knew he was gay, but that they had an amazingly loving visit that he's always going to treasure. I'm so glad for that. You know, I have to say, and I, you may be able to relate to this because you're a mom, too, and adore your kids as much as I do mine. I feel sorry for his mother. Yeah. That she's, that she's alienated him from her life. And he's so Well, of course... The Bible does not affirm homosexuality. It is a sin, and it doesn't matter what they say. God does not endorse such behavior. It's a shame, really. You don't know what happened to this young man, but whatever it was, it wasn't good. Very sad. Very sad. And here, here is a audio about the Oral Roberts. Sam Dyke says many students are still trying to comprehend as the first day of class after Thanksgiving break is spent discussing the resignation of ORU's president. We have the whole emotional mixed bag of it all that, you know, people for him against him and why is he doing it? I mean, it's a lot of confusion, to be honest. At Nordagio's Coffee, which is just across the street from the university, former ORU student Jordan Taylor says he's interested in the truth. Founder of the website ORULawsuit.org, Jordan says he's pleased Roberts relinquished his title as university president. I think everybody knew that he would really have to step down. But, you know, I really hope they find somebody to replace him and uh, somebody that's uh, very distinguished. Even though Richard Roberts is no longer ORU president, he's not stepping away entirely.
Roberts has always been a member of the Board of Regents and is president and CEO of Oral Roberts Ministries. The university itself falls under the umbrella of the ministry. I have said if we lose a third of the student body, we'll make it back again. At a university chapel held earlier this month, ORU. Anyway, there was a problem with that audio, but they were severely in debt after uh, Richard took over, and uh, Richard definitely had his own issues. He was later arrested for a DUI. I first brought it to you just a few minutes ago. Former ORU president Richard Roberts was arrested overnight for DUI. This happened around midnight. The Oklahoma Highway Patrol tells us Roberts was going about 110 miles an hour on Highway 169 near 71st Street. That's where OHP pulled him over, did a breathalyzer test, and arrested him for DUI. Much more on this on KJRH.com and here on 2 News throughout the day. Very sad. It sounds like Richard Richard definitely had some issues, and... uh, after he was run out of the university and he had to leave the grounds. They didn't even want him coming back on the grounds. He moved he he moved to Florida at one point and he was hanging around with Randy White and Randy was inviting him to his, his small church after Randy lost his building and filed for bankruptcy. He, he took on a, a very small building in Tampa. I went there uh, to see the building. It was a real, it was horrible. It was really a dump, a real fall from grace for Randy White. And Richard was preaching there. Well, when the day that I went, Lindsay was preaching. And it was a Saturday morning, and there was only about 25 or 30 people there. People didn't really come out to to hear her. And even when Richard came, and there was a time when I went to Madison Square Garden, I think in the 1980s, and the the place was pretty well packed. It was Oral and Richard Roberts. Wow, they could pack out Madison Square Garden, but Richard couldn't even have a crowd of uh, two or 300 people there at Randy White's church and Lindsay, too. 25 people. But now Richard Roberts is so desperate, he's hooked up with David E. Taylor. And for people that don't know about this David E. Taylor guy, he is, if you've seen him, he claims that he sees Jesus all the time and he takes these trips to heaven. And uh, it's been alleged many affairs that he's ha- had with women and he's uh, had children from these affairs, and uh, he's uh, got every kind of financial scam that you can imagine going. He just purchased over an $8 million mansion in Tampa, so I guess he has plans to move here, but you can see Richard and David E. Taylor there on YouTube doing virtual ministry together, miracle ministry, and also doing crusades together. That is a real fall from grace for him to put. It's like it would be like him hooking up with Peter Popoff. 
Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. So it's a real fall from grace, and uh, he still has a television ministry. He's still uh, collecting seed faith gifts. So he's still earning a living from uh, his father's teachings, which he has endorsed, and he, he carries on that legacy of uh, Oral Roberts with, this, with the seed faith gospel that didn't work in the end for the Roberts family. This is our last audio about when Oral died. I've got a lot of questions for Richard. <laughs> but Richard, you were there when your dad was promoted. Yes, I was. And I heard something about angels around. Tell me about that. Well, I've, I've known people who have seen angels, but I have never seen an angel. I'm aware of the presence of angels. I believe we're entertaining angels every day. They're ministering spirits for us, Hebrews tells us. But I hadn't seen one. And when my father was about to be promoted, I was in the room with him. And I was watching the monitors, and they were going down and down and down. And I knew it would only be a matter of seconds before he was gone. And just as it got all the way down, I heard a commotion in the room. And I looked around, and I looked up, and there were two angels. They came right through the ceiling. I blinked my eyes to see if I was imagining it. One was so tall that I couldn't see his head. It was above the ceiling. The other was just scrunched under the ceiling, two of them. And I watched as they reached into my father's body and picked up his spirit and began to take it up. And I stood up and began to shout and, <laughs> like, like Elisha, you know, and because I wanted a double portion anointing. And as it got up to the ceiling, as they were disappearing with it, suddenly I saw a mantle begin to flow and float down. And I reached out and said, that's mine. <laughs> that's mine. And they disappeared. Wow. That's the only time I've ever seen angels. That is, I am so glad I asked that question. Yeah. Supposedly, he received the mantle. And he went on to be a big proponent of the seed faith gospel, which didn't work for him. Because obviously, if it, if it worked, he wouldn't have lost the university and wound up $50 million in debt and having to sell a university. So it didn't work. All the things that he built, Oral Roberts, was built on sinking sand because it wasn't built according to God's word and it wasn't built with integrity. And so you see Richard Roberts wind up being arrested for DUIs and and preaching to very small crowds and then hooking up with these sketchy TV preachers just to keep his face out there and just to collect offerings. Very, very sad ending. Very, very sad ending. You, you hope that in the end that he'll turn from his wicked ways and serve the Lord and repent to the body of Christ for the damage that he's done and the, and the teachings that he has been a proponent of all his life, that he would, he would ask for forgiveness. 
you hope you hope that people would turn from their ways and let the body of Christ know that the, the, this is not the way to have a ministry. This is not the way to fund your ministry. And it's not the way to be an example to a lost and dying world and to the body of Christ. So we we hope and we pray that Richard will repent and Lindsay would repent and stop scamming. Just tell people the truth. Just tell people the truth. What what good did it do for your your name and your reputation to be discredited to the world at large and to the body of Christ? And and if you watch them on television, Richard and Lindsay, they're still scamming. They still have all kinds of scams that they use to raise funds. It's expensive to be on television. It's it's not cheap. So he's still apparently probably still raising millions of dollars and uh, doing whatever he can to get meetings and to get FaceTime with the public, but you don't want to wind up like that. Yikes, he's in his in his 70s, I would guess, and he's appearing with David E. Taylor. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. So, well, that's our history of the Oral Roberts ministry. I think it's a, a, something that we can learn from, and we definitely don't want to pattern our lives and our ministries after it. I hope and I pray that the seed faith gospel loses steam and that it's something I'd love to see it be a thing of the past. I really would. And I'm sure most of us do. It's it's nothing that we take pleasure in seeing. But anyway, that's our program for today. And don't forget to email me, susan at propheticnews.com. You can email me there. I want to thank all my listeners from the Great Britain, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. I want to thank you all for tuning in. Those are our major listeners. Of course, we have listeners all over the world. And don't forget also that We're switching our program over to Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. We'll be on Blog Talk Radio for a little while longer, and then we'll be going over to Spreaker on a full-time basis. So that will be happening over the next month or two. So we'll still be found on Blog Talk Radio, but we're, we're going to be moving everything over to Spreaker from now on, so you can find us there. And uh, also, the most important thing, we want to tell people that don't look at TV preachers and think that that's, oh, well, why would I want to serve Jesus when you can you see these TV preachers and the way they behave? Well, we serve a Savior that was with, who walked the earth, 
and he did not sin. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3.10. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. That's why we needed a Savior. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5 and 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said you must be born again in John, the third chapter. First you're born of your mother, then you must be born again of the Spirit of God. And confession is made with the mouth unto salvation. We confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once you repent, no matter what you've done in your life, you get a brand new life, and all those old things pass away. You don't have to live in guilt and shame. God will forgive you, and he will forget about your sins. And you can have a brand new life. All of us that have been born again, we know what it is to have a new life and what it is to not feel condemned for our past. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So give your life to Jesus today. You'll never be sorry that you did because he is... The Prince of Peace, he is the one that gives us joy. He is the one that we can wake up every morning and it's a brand new day. And we can have rest. We can rest in the Lord knowing that no matter what's going on in the world, that God is our Father and he will take care of us. And that when we leave this earth, we have a home in heaven that he's promised us. This is not the end when we leave here. but you must be born again. God bless you. Thank you for listening.